Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires you today. Let me read our scripture from, for tonight, 2 Kings 4, 1-7. to I know many of you have probably heard this a little bit, but we're going to dive into it tonight. It says this in verse 1. It says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. Terrible situation. A desperate situation. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. She's obviously desperate. When something comes up to your family, it causes a new desperation to fall upon you. And she turns to God. What can I do to help you, Elijah asked. Tell me, what do you have in your house? I love the way how he asks the question and then follows up straight away with another question. She says, nothing at all. Turn the person next to you, say nothing at all. Except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors and then go into the house with your sons and shut the door. Pour olive oil out from the flask into the jars, setting each one aside as it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing the jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to her sons. There aren't any more, he he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. We had a great message this morning around the leftover from Pastor Caleb. But I wonder right now if we can close our eyes and bow our heads. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's going to correct, train us for righteousness tonight. Lord, I pray, Lord, that the words that you need people to hear would be the loudest in this room. Holy Spirit, that whatever you need to bring into this atmosphere right now, you have the full authority to do what you want. And so, Father, we ask that from your Scripture that it would speak to our situations, it would speak to our circumstance. And, Lord, we come to you and we ask for something new today. And we ask that we would walk out different to the way that we walked in. And the church said, Amen, amen, amen. Why don't you welcome the person next to you today as you take your seats. It's good to see everyone here tonight for the 5 p.m. Who's enjoying the new chairs? They're a bit comfortable, eh? Now, don't fall asleep. Um, We don't have the recliner models yet, but they are coming. I'm joking. We don't have reclining models. Could you imagine? It's hard enough in the movies trying to stay awake. And, um, but the new chairs are comfy, but I'm just going to, I'm going to say, hey, let's fill them in the 5 p.m. Let's fill the chairs in the 5 p.m. We're filling it in the morning, but I reckon the 5 p.m. we can see this place packed out as well. Amen? Amazing. Today, the message title is called The Miracle of Nothing Left. Some of you are like, what's the miracle of nothing left? We're about to find out. But I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, there's a miracle in the nothing. Teenagers do this weird thing, hey. And I know because I was a teenager, you were a teenager, and if you have teenagers, you'll be able to confirm this story. But when a teenager gets hungry, they stand up from where they are, probably playing Xbox or PlayStation, let's be honest these days, and they go to the fridge, I have this fridge up here. This fridge represents, this is actually the fridge of nothing. So when you see this fridge, and the reason it's up here throughout the whole message is because every time you go to your fridge this week, I want you to think of this message, I want you to think of nothing left. 
And if you have teenagers, you know what that feels like because your fridge has nothing left in it all the time. Anyway, a teenager will get up from what they're doing and they will walk up to the fridge. And what we do, and remember what I used to do, I, I used to open up the fridge and I used to just wait for something to jump out at me. Now, if mum had done the shopping, it was pretty quick. I would devour what was ever was in the fridge. But if it had been a few days, maybe even moments, I came from a family of five. And so the fridge was often like, there's not much in here. And so I'll close the fridge and I'll go back to what I was doing. And then, of course, if you're a teenager, you know that in, in a few moments later, a few hours or even 30 minutes, you'll walk back to the same fridge that hasn't been filled up and you know it. Maybe some husbands do it in the room too. And you will open that same fridge that you just looked at, and there will be what? Nothing. And at this point, your dad usually chimes in. He says, shut the fridge, you're using too much electricity. Anybody's parent was like that? My dad, the water was left running too long. He had this saying, liquid gold, liquid gold, liquid gold, whenever the tap was on. He like timed our showers and everything. But at this point, the dad usually chimes in. You need to shut the fridge because you're using too much electricity. To which the teenager replies, there's nothing in there. Now, most of the time, if it's the teenager looking, there is nothing. But if you get the right hands on the food that's already in the fridge, suddenly there's something. Like when somehow mothers have this power, even when there's nothing in the fridge, when they open it, they see something from nothing. Husbands, not so much, sometimes, maybe. But when mothers look in the fridge, they can take something that, the, that we call nothing and they can create something. And I think there's some people in the room, you look at your life right now, you're at the fridge of nothing, and you're looking inside and you're like, there is nothing in here, but maybe it's time to give it back to God so that He can do something from your nothing. Maybe you're at the fridge and it's actually time to, to say, God, I need you to take a look at this. I need you to take a look at my nothingness. I need you to take a look of my lack. I need you to take a look at my insufficiencies because when I, when I look, I see nothing but in your hands I can do all things. In your hands, you, you can do something. I know you can. You see, I'm reminded that in our nothingness, in our lack, in our nothing, God wants to do something. You see, in your hands and in my hands, the nothing that we have is quite literally nothing. But in His hands, the nothing is the gateway to a creative miracle. God, Jesus thrived on nothing. <laughs> he thrived on the nothing the world called. They were, it was too sick. They were too dead. They were too far gone. And He thrived on that. You see, we see countless miracles take place as a result of nothing left. And yet, so often today, we find ourselves surprised by shortfalls. You know, we, we actually feel surprised because we feel like we have nothing. We feel surprised because of that situation. It took everything. That thing took everything, all of the strength that we needed. But maybe, maybe, maybe in that place of nothing, God's positioning us for a breakthrough. Maybe in that place of I have nothing left, I have no strength left, I have nowhere else to turn, God's saying, it's now time for me to move. You see, we say things like, I feel like I have nothing left. God can't be in this place. But the truth is, He is in this place. You see, let me remind you today that Jesus took the, the nothing and fed 5,000 people. He took 
He took the man's nothing in the, in the synagogue when he had a withered hand. He co- told him to stretch out his hand and in the nothing, a miracle happened and that hand was restored. He healed Jairus' daughter who had already been confirmed dead because of the nothing left faith of the father. Parents, don't ever give up on the nothing left faith that you have for your kids. He turned the water into wine because there was nothing left and he had to move. He calmed the storm when there was no way the disciples could fight it any longer and he did something. Maybe it's time to stop fighting the storm and get Jesus up. He is the God who works in the nothing left moments of your life. But the question I want to pose today is, how do we handle the moments of our nothing left? And now, in my life personally, this just may be me, but I find that sometimes it's, I deliberately engage with the nothing left of my life because it's easier to try to move on than it is to come to the re- realization that I'm, I am in need that it's easier to, to move on from the I don't lack. It's easier to put the blinders on and say, I don't need anything there because I need to come to the realization that I need a breakthrough. And many of us in this room, we've moved on from something that we see as nothing, but God actually wants to break through in it. What if the lack was actually a blessing? Matthew 5.3 says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who are poor. And all the uni students said, amen. (laughs) In fact, everyone said at the moment, the economy, amen. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need. Church, one of the worst things in our culture is that we, we rarely realize our need until we're desperate. We rarely realize our need for God until we're absolutely desperate. Maybe that place of desperation, maybe that place of lack, maybe that place of not enough is a place where God can move. But what do you do when you have nothing left? When you feel as if you have nothing at all, you need to present the deficit. It's not always easy because the deficit doesn't look good. Like the lack doesn't look good to the world. No one's posting their lack on Instagram. No one's posting the lack on, no one's showing people what they, what they, are, what they lack, but God responds to people who will represent the deficit in their life. 2 Kings 4, 1 to 2, one day the widow came, uh, one day the widow of a member of a group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out. See, it's not until we cry out that God can move. Sometimes we're too comfortable in our lack that we don't even need to cry out. But God looks for the people who would cry out. It says, what, do, what, do I, what can I do to help you? Elisha replied, tell me what you have in your house. And she says, nothing at all, except a flask of oil. This reminds me of me, because sometimes when God says, what do you have? I say nothing at all to start with. But I've just taken a man look at my life, and I've not seen the thing that God wanted me to see. And the lady in this story, she takes a man look. You know, sometimes Poppy will tell me to go find something around the house, and I think I know where that thing is. I go to that spot, and I, I look for it, and I can't find it. Like the hairbrush was just there, or the iron was just there, or what's needed, the spatula was just there, and I take a man look, and I don't see the thing that I need to see. And some of us, we need to stop taking a man look at our life or our situation, and we need to take a God look again, and we need to go back to that place of our lack, our back to the place of nothing, and see something. You see, our God works with the people who have eyes of faith. God works through people who have eyes of faith. We need to choose to see something. 
Choose to see the lack. Choose to see the small thing that God could work through. This lady says, I have nothing at all. I imagine Elisha just looking at her like, come on, you've got to have something. And then she goes, accept. You know, God can use your exceptions. God can use the excuses. He can use the the thing that doesn't even come to your mind right now when you think, I have nothing. Maybe you have a little bit of faith tonight. Maybe you feel as if you have no faith and you're just here showing up out of of just um, routine. You're just here and you don't feel like you have any faith. But tonight, if you were to give God that little bit, if you were to give Him that exception tonight, He could do something powerful through your life. The thing is, God can't, can't bless what you don't give Him. He, he can't bless what you don't present to Him. Even the things that you're afraid to present to Him, He already knows about. I think sometimes we try to hide our deficits because we think that God doesn't see them. Guess what? God's omniscient. He is all-knowing. He sees those things. He wants us to present them to Him, and in presenting them to Him, He can do something. You see, sometimes we need to go back to the place of nothing, when you go back to the place where we, we looked, we, we looked and find something. What good is a little bit? What good is the little that I have? I have a little bit of breakthrough. I have a little bit of hope that God could work. We go back to the place of nothing to find something that seems insignificant, but even the small thing that's insignificant, God can work through. In fact, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take people back to the, to the place where they left everything and give them fresh inspiration for the small thing that you've given them, that small bit of faith, that small bit of hope, that small bit of joy. Go back to that place of depression and take that little bit of joy that you have. Take that little bit of hope that you have. Take that little bit of inspiration that you have. Go back to the place of brokenness. Take that little bit of faith that you have. God can't bless what you won't give Him. You see, so often we fail to present the problems to the one who is able, but it's time to look again. Look again. Turn to the person next to you say, look again. When you look again, you find something. There is no situation that God can't work through, but we need to give Him something. This isn't, this isn't a one-way street. God wants to include us in the miracle. He is gracious enough to allow us to, to give Him anything that He could work through because he doesn't want to exclude his creation. He wants to include his creation on the breakthrough. The, third, the second thing we've got to do when we feel as if we have nothing at all, we need to pour in private. 2 Kings 4, 3 to, 3 to 4 says, And Elisha said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors, then go into the house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting aside each one aside when it's filled. In the private pouring, multiplication happens. It's only when you get the little and you start to get in the private place that the multiplication starts to work. You know, so often we think that God should move on a public scale, but God wants us to move in the private first. We want an evident move of God, yet we won't go in the private place with God. We want it to be so obvious, the miracle that He's going to do in our life, but we won't position ourselves in the private moment. Some of us are angry at God because we feel like we have nothing left, and in our nothing left, we're not willing to to get to the private place with God because we're too angry with God, we're too done with God, or we don't think God's going to answer. Yet if we got into the private place, shut the door, and did some business with Him, he He would be able to multiply the little that we have. 
You see, privacy does something. We live for a, a world that loves the public atmosphere, but God thrives in the private place of our life. There are public moments and public miracles and public breakthrough, yes, but God wants us to take this thing private before we go public. Sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we think we have to go public when we haven't gone the private relationship with Him. But we've actually got to take this thing into a private place where only He can move. If I can have all the lights off and everything like that, thank you, team. You see, there's something happens when we're in a place where we don't feel seen. When we're in a place where we don't feel seen, suddenly we have to go back to that place, that in the private moment where we have the little that we have and we go back to the place of nothing. And God takes us back to the place of nothing and it's in that place that we start to pour in the place of nothing. You see, when the pressure's off, it's so much easier for God to pour in. When, when the public eye is off you, there's something that God can do in you that the pub, publicity couldn't get into you. Like in the, in the private place, God wants to take your private p- prayers and make them public, but you've got to get private first. You've got to get into the place of, with your family where you close the door and you start to get to the place where it's just between you and your family and God and saying, God, we need a breakthrough in this area. God, we need your, your hand in our lack. We need your hand over our finances. We need your hand over our health circumstance. We need your hand over our marriage. We need your hand over our family. We need your hand over our prodigal sons and daughters. We need your hand over our generation. We need your hand over our school, our university, my workplace. I need your hand over the economy. I need your hand over what I'm doing and the wisdom that I'm, I'm using to, to build my life and family. God, I need your hand. And it's so much harder to hear God's voice in the public place, but when you get to the private place and you start to pour out the little that you have, you know, that, notice this, she had to pour it out before it multiplied. Sometimes we want it to multiply before we pour it out. We want the jars filled so there's no risk. We want, we want the miracle so evident that there's no faith involved. But when we start to pour out, we start to realize there was actually more in that place than we first realized. There was actually more provision in the private place than when we first realized. And as we continue to pour, God continues to multiply. As we continue to pour, God continues to do what only He can do. As we continue to pour, the little that started starts to multiply and people are blessed as a result when we give him the little bit. But you've got to get back to the place of nothing. You see, if I can have the lights back on team, it's in the place of nothing that God wants to do something. He takes the little that we started with and it starts to multiply, but we've actually got to position our heart in a private matter. See, the lady shut the door. You know, I find it interesting. This would have been the most discouraging moment for this lady because she takes the little that she does have and the man of God tells her, go back to the place of nothing. Go back into your house, shut the door. You know what's in the house? Nothing. Some of us are too scared to go back into our house and God can't work with that. 
He wants you to go back and confront the nothingness. Go back into what? That's cruel. Why would you tell her to go back into the place where her faith is going to be attacked and where, and where things, like she's looking evident around her that there is nothing here. And it's in that place that she has the faith to pour. I don't know about you, but that's a challenge. Would you position your, that's the worst place to position this lady to have the faith to pour back in her place of nothingness and yet God wanted her there. Can I encourage you? Go back to the place where you lost everything. Pour something out to him. He'll multiply it. Go back to that moment where you thought you lost everything and that, that the world was turned upside down. Go back to that place and start to pour out your praise, pour out your worship, pour out your adoration, pour out your need for him and he'll multiply it. See, God's not put off by your lack. He's not put off by your insufficiencies. He's not put off by your insecurities. He's not put off by your situation. He just needs you to confront it in the private place. You see, without the private pouring, there is no multiplication. Multiplication happens in the private pouring. Can I have the band back? When you feel as if you have nothing at all, we've got to outpour in public. You see, if the lady kept the oil in her household, even the thing that God did is useless. You keep your testimony in your household, it's useless. You keep the faith in your household, it's useless. You keep your prayer life just in your household, it's useless. But when you take it outside the four walls, it starts to be an outpouring. When you take it outside the four walls of your home, when you, we, like if we just keep it private, it's useless. But when we take our faith public, it changes everything. When we take the little that God has given us, the multiplication that He's given us, and we start to use it in the public eye, people start to notice. 2 Kings 4.7, when, the, when, the, when she told the man of what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Our job is to bring the anointing and testimony and goodness from my private life into my public life. My job and your job as believers is to go to the private place for God to multiply that which is given to Him and for that which is given to Him to go out to the world around us. See, she had to use the oil that was given to her. You have to use the anointing. What does the oil represent? The anointing of God. You have to use the anointing. You have to use the touch of God that's on your life. You have to use the testimony. You know, the Word says that people will be saved by our testimony, that people will be, when they hear your testimony, the story that God's going to get the glory for, people are going to have their hearts turned towards Him. But while it just stays between you and God, it can't do much. But when you start to go public, it starts to affect generations. You see, your testimony of God's goodness needs to be used for His glory. We've got to get to the place where we go from private to public. You can't have one without the other. One without the other is just a place where we're stuck. But when we go from the private place to the public place, it's where church starts to build and people start to get saved and people start to have their hearts turned towards Him. You see... We've got to get what God's given us. I could celebrate, I've got oil, I've got oil, I've got oil, I've got oil. 
Great, fantastic. We can celebrate on a Sunday. We've got oil, we've got oil, we've got oil, we've got oil. Fantastic. We've got anointing. God's doing something inside these four walls, but unless it gets to the people, it's useless. Unless it actually gets from here inside the four walls. Nick, you better be ready to catch this. I'm trusting you here, bro. I trust you. Unless it gets from here to here, it's useless. You see, when I start and when we start to give the oil to the people in our world, suddenly people's lives have sustenance. Suddenly, there you go, Ashton, you can have some too. Suddenly, now if I, if I was at youth, I'd be pouring this over somebody. So you should be grateful that I'm just doing this. But suddenly, you can get some Peter. Suddenly the little that I have, I'm now using. And you know what happens when, when you start to use what God's given you? Joe, you can have some. Reuben, you can have some. Colby, you're about to get some. Here you go. Josh, suddenly with what I have, I've got to give it. With what you have, you've got to give it. Parents, if your kids don't know your testimony, they don't know your oil. They won't know the anointing that's upon your life. If kids don't know the desperation of your your faith, they won't understand why you're so passionate about God. But when you get real and raw with them, you start to spread the oil. You start to spread the thing that you've been given. You know the multiplication. I know. Like we've been to the place of nothing. We've seen the hand of God. But what good is it just for us to see it? Let's get to the world around us. Let's start to give the oil. The lady had to take the oil. She had to give it away. She had to sell the oil. She had to take the oil to the world around her. God is saying to His church, will you take the anointing to the world around you? Will you take the thing that I've multiplied, the small thing, the little insignificant thing, would you take it and multiply it? We've got to get the oil from our private life to our public life. And you know, that takes risk. But when that happens, Holy Spirit rocks up. I was at a youth camp a couple weeks ago when I was praying, pouring out to God in the private moment in this little cabin in Melbourne that was freezing cold. Felt like such a Queenslander. I was like so cold. I wasn't ready for it. And I'm praying in this cabin and God says to me in a moment where I'm in this private pouring, I'm just saying, God, I need you to move. God, I I really need you here. God, could you just move in this moment? Would you move upon the young people? And God says, three people will be healed of asthma at this camp. And I say, oh no. I'm like, what does that look like, God? And God says, I felt him just, I felt him put up my heart. He was going to let me know when the moment was right. And so I sort of left it. And I was sort of like, that's going to be a scary moment but we're going to go there. And I preached the first session, second, third, and the fourth session. And then halfway through my message, God says, this is the moment. And I'm like, this is a really bad moment to do it, God. Like I'm halfway through my message and, and God says, no, this is the moment. I felt three people would be healed. And I said, who has asthma in the room? Three people put their hand up. I was like, thank God. That's a good number. Like three people. I'm like, okay, God, we're onto something. So I, they came down the front. I hadn't really thought that far ahead, so I just said, can you guys walk behind me and um, see if anything happens while I keep on preaching and we'll see what God does. And in that moment, I remember going, oh my goodness, God, you better touch this moment. Like I was pouring out and I felt something and I'm just going with what you said to do. So I'm doing that now. And God, can you please just multiply this moment? Do what only you can do. Touch this moment, anoint this moment. And as I'm preaching, things start to happen behind me. And each one got healed in that moment. And the great thing is it had nothing to do with me. It had all to do with Him. It was all to do with Him. 
but we've got to take a chance with our lack. I had nothing I could offer. I am not a doctor. I have no idea what to do, but He can do all things through Christ who strengthens Him. And all I needed to do was take an invitation. Three came down. Three were healed. I got a text the other week that three were still healed. Even better. And God was moving. But it took a moment in the pouring to say, God, I need you. When God spoke, if I just kept it in that moment, there's no invitation. Even scared, you need to do it. When you feel God say, hey, I want you to pray for that person, do it. Or, hey, I want you to invite that person out for lunch. I don't know that family, God. No, just do it. Expect the anointing of God to fall when you take a step out in faith. Acts chapter 2, 4 to 17, and then we're done. Then Peter stepped forward. I love that word because the, the context to the Scripture is that Peter has gone from denying Jesus the chapters before to declaring Him in the chapters after. See, Peter denied Jesus three times in one night. It's a pretty bad record. Three times in one night. He went from being so terrified of what could happen because he was a Jesus follower. And what happened in that moment, he gathered, they gathered the early church, the, the, the disciples, and they were praying in an upper room and Holy Spirit showed up. The anointing came. And as a result of the anointing, the world started to go, what's happening in that upper room? And in that moment, when God rocked up and things got crazy, Peter went from being unsure. He went from being uh, he went from being so unconfident about declaring the things of God to stepping forward in the things of God. And that's the power of your private life. It will cause you to step forward even when, when you want to step back. But with what He's given you, my question is, are you multiplying it? Are you, are you multiplying the power that God's given you, the things that He's given you? And don't look for the things that He's already multiplied. Look for the things that you need Him to touch. Look for the areas in your life that you've been discrediting or maybe blind to because you've been, you've been trying to get away from it. You don't want to actually address the reality that you are in need and I am in need. We discover the miracle of nothing left when we present the deficit, present it to Him, give it to Him. He can only do what He can do through it, but you've got to give Him something. Pour out in the private place so that you can outpour in the public place. If the oil doesn't flow, the sons go as slaves. That part hit me. And it's been like something like, if the oil doesn't multiply, if we don't get from the pouring, from the private place, and that oil on your life doesn't multiply, the generations go as slaves to the things of this world. But when we take our, our lack and we say, God, we need your anointing over it. Suddenly, the generations are free. Suddenly, the things that the enemy has been doing to your family start to break off when the anointing starts to flow. Suddenly, the things that have been attacking your kids or your kids' kids start to break off when you take your lack, when you take, I don't know what to do here, God. I don't know what I'm going to do in this situation. When you get into the private place and you start to pour out, He'll start to anoint so that the generations can go free. Why don't we just stand to our feet? There's a miracle in your nothing left. There's a miracle that God wants to do in the place where you say there is nothing good that can happen here. 
I want to invite you as you close your eyes and bow your heads. And this is just a moment where I want to pray for two people, first group. I want to pray for you if you're in this place and you're a believer and you say, I've been walking through some things that I need God to touch. I've been walking through some things that I've, I've been blinded to and I've deliberately blinded myself to them because I lack something in that situation, in that circumstance. And I want to include you in a prayer. And I, I don't want to pull you up down the front or anything, but I just want you to raise your hand. I want to include you in a prayer right now. Would you, if you want to be included in this prayer, can you raise both hands towards heaven? as we do this, because if you're in a place where you need the anointing of God to flow and you want it to flow over your life, you want multiplication power, you want anointing, you want something to break open over your family, over your home, then right now, why don't you raise both hands towards heaven? Father God, I thank you for every single person with their hands raised. I thank you, Lord, that even in the nothing, you can do something, Lord. That, Lord, just like this lady said, I have nothing left except, God, we give you the exception right now. We give you the little that we do have, whether that be faith, joy, hope, Lord, whether that, whatever that looks like, we give you the little and we ask that you would touch it in Jesus' name. That, Lord, right now we choose to make this moment strictly private between you and I. That, God, as individual, on an individual level, we connect with our Savior, Jesus, and we say, God, if you can do it for the 5,000, you can multiply in my situation. If you can heal Jairus' daughter, you can heal my son. You can heal my daughter. You can start to turn some things around in my body. God, I pray that right now you would just start to wash over your church, that the anointing would fall in this moment. That God, here comes your anointing. Here comes the oil. Here comes the power of God. Here comes the bold believers. Here comes the courageous in heart. And Lord, we pray that we would give you only that which we lack. Not the thing that we have together, not the thing that we have planned, but the thing we have no plan in, the thing we have no answer for, the thing we have no way out of, we give you that. And we ask that you would touch that and it would become a testimony of your goodness and outpouring of your mercy and outpouring of your grace and outpouring of what you can do through a life submitted to you. In Jesus' name. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I know there are people in this room and you haven't given your heart to God. And maybe this, this Jesus that I've been talking about who can do something with the nothing. You say, I want that. I need that tonight. I feel like I have no friends left, no family left, no, situ no, no hope left. I have no joy left and I don't even have God in my life. Then friend, this moment is for you. This is an important moment. I want to include you in a prayer. I want you to do, the first thing I want you to do tonight is I just want you to raise your hand and I'll see it and I'll include you in that prayer. But I just want to know who you are. If you want to accept this Jesus that I've been talking about as your Lord and, Lord and Savior tonight, then I just want you to raise your hand and I'll see it. I, thank you, I see that hand right there in the middle. Who, who else is? Who else is around? I know there's more. Somebody else has already raised their hand, but is there somebody else? Thank you, I see that hand at the back there people receiving Jesus for the very first time. It's a brand new start. This is, you're walking out different to the way that you walked in. You're walking out hope-filled, not hopeless. You're walking out with a Savior. Thank you. I see that hand at the back there too. Thank you, bro. You can put that hand down. Is there anybody else? There's three. Is there, is there somebody else? I, I feel like there's somebody else in the room, a couple more people. I feel like there's two more people in the room and you need to give your heart to God. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? 
Come on, people are making that decision for the first time tonight. One more time, I don't want to miss anybody. Fantastic. Now, if you raise your hand, I want you to do one more thing with me. This is step two. Step one, raise your hand. But step two, I want you to do something in faith. And the reason we're getting you to do this is because we've all done this. But the reason we're getting you to do this is because there's something about taking a physical step that results in a spiritual reaction in your heart. And so right now, everyone's going to clap and cheer. But I want you, you can take the person next to you. You can take a friend down with you. But I want to meet you down the front right now. If you would come from your chair, come and meet me. I would love to meet you, the church. We're going to give God all the praise, honor, and glory. But right now, just bring somebody with you. If you raise your hand, I saw it. Come on down, and we want to meet with you. We want to pray with you down the front. Please, come on down. This is a moment to celebrate. It's a moment to give God glory for. It's a, Every step that you take will be a step saying, I trust God. Is there anybody else you want to come down? I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you right now. If you need to get out from your seat, come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Fantastic. What we're going to do right now is we're going to pray a prayer together. There's nothing special about this prayer other than your faith. And your faith is your trust in God. And so we're all going to pray this together. We've all done this. And can I say this is a, this is a new day for you. I don't know what your story looks like before this moment. But when you walk out of these doors, God's going to do something in your heart. You're going to be completely different to the way that you walked in. And so right now, why don't we just pray together? Would you repeat these words with me? And then the church is going to do it too. Say, Father God, today I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you the things I don't have sorted out. I give you my, my place of nothing. And I ask that you would make something of it. Today I choose you, Jesus. I believe in you. I give you my past. And I look into your future. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, we're so proud of you guys. And I want to invite you. We want to give you whatever you need to help you. This is Pastor Kim. She's going to help you on this journey. We're going to give you a Bible if you need it. We're going to give you any material. It's going to be five minutes of your time. But if you can make your way out with Kim, that would be fantastic. And it would just be a great time to equip you for this journey with God. Church, I pray that's blessed you. Don't forget, God can do something in your nothing. I'm going to hand it back to Poppy. We hope you love that message. If you want any more information about us, head to highway.com.au.